You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday. Well, at least it's a happy Tuesday if you went to the bank and your ATM gave you the money, right? Hey, you know, she got money. Some people in California and New York didn't have that luck with Signature and Silicon Valley bank failures over the last couple of days. But we have a lot to focus on today, and, and we have an incredible lineup of guests. We're going to start off with the chairman of the House Administration Committee, Brian Stein. I'm going to tell you why that's important in a second. Major data breach affecting the personal data of members of Congress from... You got it, an Obamacare healthcare exchange. Yep, Obamacare, big government, big exchanges, a big privacy failure. We're going to bring you up to speed on that in just a second. But Congressman Stiles is going to talk about that. He's also on the House Banking Committee, and he's got a lot of skinny on what Congress was told about why the Silicon Valley Bank and other banks have failed or are failing. We think you're going to really enjoy that conversation a lot. It has a lot of significant impact. Then in the second block, we're going to talk to Philip Patrick. He is an analyst at the Birch Gold Group, one of our strategic partners here at John Solomon Reports at Just the News. They advertise and we do fun content with them. But Philip has been right about every aspect of the U.S. economy starting in the fall of 2020 all the way through the Biden years. He predicted the path from Big government spending to inflation, inflation to high interest rates, high interest rates to business and bank failures. And, oh, that happened there this weekend. If you've been listening to Philip Patrick for the last two and a half years on this show, you know how prescient, how spot on he's been, how careful he is to let you know what's happening. He's going to join us today to talk about all the fallout, why he was right, what else we might see. Moody's just put six other banks on a watch list. So that's a concern. We'll get the full skinny from Philip Patrick. And then we're going to end the show with one of my great colleagues here at Just the News, Nick Jeevis. He's been working on our investigative enterprise team for quite some time now. And he has a fantastic story today looking at how Silicon Valley Bank, as its losses were mounting, as its investment failures were growing, it was doubling down not on good cost savings or ways to protect its depositors. It was doubling down on woke agenda like ESG and DEI and LGBTQ and all of those liberal causes, which, by the way, if your bank is, I guess, solid and you're doing the right thing by your investors, maybe those are okay to have some attention on. But when your bank's going down the skids, maybe a little more attention should have been paid to the bottom line. Nick is going to talk to us about what happened, the big donation to Gavin Newsom's wife, the ESG commitment to put $5 billion more into a market that was going to be risky because interest rates are going up. And I think that direct line from interest rate from 
government spending to inflation, inflation to interest rates, interest rates into failures is becoming more and more clear. And I think you're going to get a good sense of that from our guest today. So we're going to talk a lot about banks. Nick Jeevis, of course, doing some great reporting. His story is a must read. Philip Patrick been on the money with every aspect of projecting what the economy was going to do to, for, and us. And we're going to begin the show with one of the most powerful chairmen in all of Congress, brand new chairman of the House Administration Committee, Brian Stile. He's here. We're going to talk about that breach and, of course, about the briefing that he got as a banking committee member. Let's talk about that breach quickly. A couple of days ago, according to a memo obtained by Just the News, the Congressional Administrative Office, basically the HR slash accounting office of Congress for its administrative duties, executive duties, informed members of Congress and their staffers that because they bought their health insurance through the Obamacare exchange known as the D.C. Health Link, there had been a major hack and their personal data had been stolen. Think about that. Members of Congress forced to go through the D.C. Obamacare exchange end up getting their data hacked. You think Congress would be insulated, right? You think our Pentagon would be insulated, our Office of Personnel Management? These hacks are far too often. But this one is particularly troubling because it combines Obamacare and probably some foreign bad actors, certainly bad actors, possibly foreign. We're going to get to that with Chairman Style, the head of the House Administration Committee, in just a few minutes. So that's our show today. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Congressman Brian Style, Chairman of the House Administration Committee, he's going to start us off in just a few seconds. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time 
IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. As I mentioned at the top of the show, no committee in Congress is going to have more responsibilities in the next six months in helping us unravel some really important things about the safety of the Capitol, about the future of the way the Capitol is protected than the House Administration Committee. We are very lucky to be joined this morning by its new chairman, Congressman Brian Stahl from the great state of Wisconsin. Mr. Chairman, good to have you on the show. John, thanks for having me. A great honor. I want to start with something that's been floating around town the last 24 hours or so. The Administrative Office of Congress apparently has notified members that there has been a data breach. FBI is involved. Tell us a little bit about what you know and how concerning it might be. I've sat down, had briefings with the FBI, with the House Sergeant at Arms, uh, with other staff members, Capitol Police, trying to make sure we get our arms around this. Uh, On February 6th, the FBI Uh, became aware that there was a data breach of the D.C. Health Link. That's the link that runs all of Obamacare in Washington, D.C., which which under previous federal law, members and staff members up here on Capitol Hill are all on Obamacare. That's a whole other story. But the D.C. Health Link uh, was hacked. And that then uh, includes all these all of our everyone who is on that their personal identifiable information, P.I.I., And because members and our staff are on Obamacare, this information becomes a little more sensitive. And so what we're trying to do is get our heads wrapped around exactly who did the breach. How can we prevent this from occurring in the future? How can we hold those accountable uh, that conducted the breach and making sure that we're protecting uh, members and staff? But today, this is members and staff uh, and others in Washington, D.C., but tomorrow, uh, this could be somebody sitting uh, in my home in Janesville, Wisconsin, or Kenosha, Wisconsin, or anywhere else across the country is we continue to see nefarious actors uh, engaged in identity theft and engaged in data breaches uh, across the country. Very, very troubling. And it seems as we get more and more data posted in places, more and more of our enemies are gaining access to it. Any sense of who the bad actor is behind this? Do we have a good sense of who may have tried to perpetrate this theft? There's a very detailed uh, forensic audit ongoing on that. And so until that's completed, we might not have, we don't have full answers to that. But it's not lost on any of us that there are both nefarious international actors as well as criminal gangs that try to get this to sell it for profit uh, that are engaged in these types of data breaches all across uh, the United States every single day. So we don't have the answer to that, but we do know who we need to hold accountable broadly uh, for these types of activities. And in particular, it's criminals sitting often in Russia, China, North Korea, et cetera. Yeah, those are the are the actors that just keep showing up in breach after breach after breach. There's no doubt about it. Mr. Chairman, you also serve on the House Financial Services Committee. Last night, there was a briefing on the bank failures. Tell us a little bit about what you learned. And I'm hearing a lot more today that, that there's a direct connection between Joe Biden's spending, which drove up inflation, which drove up interest rates and the failure of these banks. What can you tell us about that? So I've done a, a number of briefings now with uh, folks over at the Department of Treasury, over at the U.S. Federal Reserve, um, FDIC, and other agencies. But what you just said is the big takeaway here. What really caused this? Well, sure, we had bad management of banks. We had a handful of other things. All of that needs to be investigated, absolutely. 
But if we step back and look and say, what's causing this underlying uh, instability across our economy? It's roaring inflation. And who's the culprit of roaring inflation? It was one party Democratic control that spent like drunken sailors. It's mismatched energy policy where the Biden administration wants to have a war on energy and his labor policies allow far too many people to find themselves on the sidelines and back to work. So what's the answer? You got to unwind those policies. You got to control reckless spending. You got to unleash American energy and you got to help workers get back to work. But this administration, the Biden administration just put forward their budget. It does the opposite. It's more tax and spend. It's going to drive inflation higher and it's going to prevent people from getting back to work. This is the challenge in front of us is forcing the president to come to the table, in particular during the period of time of the debt ceiling debate, to actually put the policies in place to slow inflation, because at the end of the day, that's the cause of the economic instability, and that's the cause of the pain of so many families across our country. It is remarkable that with all the economists, by the way, bipartisan economists, even former Obama-Clinton Treasury secretaries and economic advisors warning that government spending has been driving the tipping of the economy towards inflation, higher interest rates, that a president would then submit a $6.8 trillion budget to Congress, which obviously going nowhere. But it doesn't seem like Joe Biden has any recognition of the influence of these spending and he's doubling down on it. How frustrating it is it and what reaction is he going to get from Congress? Well, it's beyond frustrating the disconnect that this administration has to the, econo- to the impact uh, economically uh, and the impact to workers that their policies have. Uh, it's the same disconnect that they have with their energy policy, where they refuse to unleash American energy. And folks are paying three, four, five dollars a gallon uh, to fill up their cars and trucks. And it's going to get more expensive this summer. It's a moment in time of reflection when we see multiple banks go down that we need to dramatically transform the policies that got us here. And the path in front of us is reasonably straightforward. It's control spending, unleash our energy, get workers back to work. This administration continues to put their head in the sand, refusing to address the fact that their policies are what's causing the pain that so many people are feeling. It is a head scratcher. It really is to to see the disconnect between the administration and the economic realities. But I know that the Congress is working hard to rein in that spending. I want to turn to something that falls under House administration. There's been a lot of discussion. I've been told as many as 30 January 6th defendants are now looking to ask why they weren't given access to the video footage that Speaker McCarthy recently released to Tucker Carlson. The idea that maybe this footage didn't get properly given to people who had a Brady right to have the information, how concerning is that? Our goal here is to make sure we have a a process that allows everyone uh, to get the information ultimately that they need. What we saw under a partisan January 6th select committee where, as we all remember, then Minority Leader, now Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, was not allowed to even appoint one Republican to the committee. They went and put forward a very biased view, limited access to information. Our principle is to maintain the security of the United States Capitol campus, but also to drive forward with transparency. Transparency is good uh, for all of us. It's good for the American people. It's good uh, for our democracy. And so the goal that we have on the committee Uh, is to drive forward with transparency and at the same time uh, protecting the security of the Capitol. We can do both. And it's been odd to watch members of the media argue against the transparency. It's been a head scratcher to me. Reporters and policymakers alike should embrace transparency, but it's been given an odd reaction. 
you're, you're exactly right. You got to remember CNN sued to get access to the tapes. And then now that, that Speaker McCarthy uh, moved forward to provide additional transparency, uh, if you turn on that network, uh, you'll see people complaining uh, that transparency is a bad thing. It is a head scratcher. It is. They were for it until they became against it. Try to figure that one out. But uh, I guess that's the state of the news media today. Very frustrating. Congressman, I want to ask about one other issue because it seems to be resonating so powerfully with everyday Americans. Last week, the caucus unveiled its parents' bill of rights to great fanfare. A lot of great reactions, a lot of big ideas in this, and a lot of populist ideas to return power to parents in their school districts. How important important is this bill? And what do you think its long-term impact will be on the education system that we all want to work as well as possible? During the pandemic, when so many children were forced away from their schools and brought home, so many moms and dads looked and realized what was occurring in our schools and what was being taught. And I think that awareness uh, just makes this all the more important that we're making sure that moms and dads have a say in the education that their kids are being provided. There's key features in this that push forward transparency like we were talking about, but this time as it relates to schools. You should know what your son and daughters are being taught in their school. You should have a right to be heard at your school board. You should be able to know where your tax dollars are being spent in your school budget. And so these are, I think, are bedrock principles that we need to make sure that moms and dads have these rights. And I think that what is going to be so important is we're going to have an opportunity to have this debate in front of the American people, and the left is going to cower. They're going to be afraid that folks are going to learn what's being taught in schools. And if anything, that's going to flush out the fact that we need more moms and dads to be involved at the school board level, making sure that their schools are actually t- teaching children how to learn, not what to think. Yeah, and there's so many parents now getting involved in the political process at the school level. It's a great awakening. And one of the interesting things I want to ask about, the performance that's gone down in reading it in math, obviously some of it's related to pandemic, but it was on that trajectory before the pandemic. And it seems like one of the things that has gotten skewed in education is that teachers now are interested in teaching children what they want the children to think as opposed to how to think, how to learn. Do you think that there's some room within the education system, within the unions, or maybe separate teachers to break the dynamic of trying to get ideology in the school and instead get back to the basics of a solid learning education? Well, in, in, in my state, we have school choice. And I think as we see more and more states embrace school choice, that gives moms and dads an option to find the school that's best for their child. It's a bit of a free market approach, if you will, to breaking the monopoly uh, that public schools have in so many of our communities. And it's making sure that there's competition in that space. Competition's good. Moms and dads should have a right to choose a school that was best for their child. I think that's going to be one way nationally that we can really break this this path towards indoctrination rather than the, the path towards teaching children uh, how to think. Yeah, such an important dynamic and such a winning issue among everyday Americans just trying to make sure their child gets the best education possible, the best start to their life. Mr. Chairman, it's always an honor to have you in the show. You're doing such important things on many, many fronts. We're going to keep a close eye on your committee and all the good work you're doing. Thanks so much, John. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Philip Patrick from the Birch Gold Group, he's going to give us his insights. Where is the economy going? Are we entering into an era of bank crises like 2008, like the 1930s? Or was this a temporary blip on a radar of continued inflation, interest rates, and government spending? We'll get all that with Philip just after this commercial break. 
Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. I have to be honest, when the bank failure started piling up the last three or four days, the very first person I thought of was my good friend, Philip Patrick. He has been laying out the dynamic of the Biden economy for the last two years. And every prediction he's made about where the economy is going, what will happen has come true. You spend too much money, inflation goes up, inflation goes up too much, interest rates go up too much, interest rates go up too much, and banks and other institutions suddenly are in jeopardy of failing because they got addicted to all of those low interest rates. If that sounds familiar, it's because you've heard it on this show from none other than our good friend, Philip Patrick from the Birch Gold Group. And he joins us again right now. Philip, this weekend was totally avoidable, wasn't it? Oh, it was absolutely, totally avoidable. The, the banks should have hedged their exposure. It was very clear where, where, where interest rates were going. Uh, they should have hedged their own exposure. Quite honestly, though, this at the end of the day lies with, with Biden, right? We fueled inflation. We forced the Fed to raise rates aggressively over 400 basis points in about 12 months. And, and Things like this are the effect of that. It wasn't a huge shock, but to see it, to see people lining up outside of banks, even in California, is a frightening sight for the U.S., particularly considering debt to GDP at almost 130%. We're looking more and more like Argentina every day. It's getting bad, John. Yeah, it really is. And and yet, in the face of all of the warning signs that the excessive spending was creating this economic havoc. The president of the United States submits a record budget request, $6.8 trillion, I guess. Who can beat last year's spending? It's a new game. Very dangerous game he's playing here. Obviously, Congress is going to uh, rein it back quite a bit. But your thought on the president putting that into the midst of this tempest? I mean, it's, a, it's an absolute disaster, right? When will he realize that massive spending fuels inflation? I mean, literally, inflation is defined by too much money chasing the same amount of goods and services. I mean, 
It's just unbelievable. It really is. But that would be an unmitigated disaster to add that sort of uh, that level of spending to the national debt. We're just not in a position to do it. With $31.5 trillion in debt currently, we're, we're struggling to handle that. Any more, we will get to breaking point fairly soon. It, it's a disaster. And you look at some of the early nonpartisan projections of what the Biden spending plan does, and you're, you're looking at $50 trillion debt load uh, within a couple of decades, uh, completely unfathomable to think of where we're headed if the, if the spending trends keep there. In this economy, when you see banks failing, first, let me ask you about this. As you look out, I think Moody's uh, flagged six more banks in the last 24 hours. Do we think there'll be more bank failures or do you think there'll be enough of a stabilization over the next few days that we won't see more go under? Let's see what the government do. Look, contagion is a, is a powerful phenomenon, right? Just like bubbles and crashes in the market, bank runs are primarily a psychological phenomenon, right? Seeing any bank fail, it spooks depositors and they start to wonder who's next and it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Let's not forget, SVB was a well-capitalized institution uh, as long as interest rates stayed low. As they started to go up, things 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 collapsed. So, um, look, it, it all depends on the government. I think they've got a job now. They need to quell fear. If they can do that effectively over the next few days, hopefully they can stamp it out. If they cannot, this thing can catch on very, very quickly. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more banks start to follow suit. Yeah. And of course, that has a domino effect downstream big tech. Uh, today, Facebook laid off 10,000. The big tech industry has been uh, shedding just tens of thousands of jobs since Christmas. And, and it really seems as though we're tumbling towards that recession, that hard landing, which uh, you predicted right from the beginning. The Fed chairman finally has come around to embracing that this is going to be a bumpy landing. Joe Biden still seems to be off that script. He doesn't seem to see what everyone else is seeing. What is the key things? If we're all sitting here and we're like, is my retirement in danger? Is my investments in danger? Will I be able to get my money out of the bank? What is the most important hedges and tactics we can use as everyday bankers, everyday customers to make sure that we're okay and weather this okay? Look, I mean, first of all, uh, you know, look at FDIC limits. <laughs> I've been shuffling some things about whatever available cash I had. Let's just be cautious. But more importantly, I think precious metals, obviously very, very important in climates like this. And we've talked about what, what drives them up, right? And what drives them up are the problems we have, inflation, longer-term currency devaluation, uh, stock market crashes. But I think in this climate, it's worth focusing on another other aspect, and that is the counterparty risk, right? When you have physical metals, you're not subject to the liquidity of an institution, you own them. If you have them physically at home, of course, they're there within reach. But even when they're in an IRA, tax deferred, stored in a depository, they're held in the account holder's name. They're directly allocated to them, and the depositories hold no power to lend, pledge, or encumber any metals under their care. So investors are not dependent on the liquidity of the holders, the company they purchase from, or anyone else. They own a tangible commodity, and I think in climates like this, we start to understand the importance of that. So they're a very, very good way not only to hedge against the most likely outcomes – 
devaluation inflation, but also the more extreme potential outcomes. So they really, really work well in climates like this, John. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And of course, you've set up a really important way for people to understand how Birch Gold Group can get you started on that path to having that protection. All you got to do is text the word Just News to 989898. Just News to 989898. Get started today. You get this amazing guide. It's about 20 pages. I didn't even know you could protect your 401k and IRAs with precious metals until I started my partnership with you guys at Birch Gold. And I learned so much. It is a brilliant document. You're going to be so much better armed once you read it, folks. So be sure to do that. Philip, before we go, I want to ask about an interesting dynamic. It sort of had me wondering what was going on. Janet Yellen was very visible on Sunday, rare for a treasury secretary or a financial sector senior executive to be blitzing the media. Usually they do one very carefully targeted. What was behind the media blitz and what did she achieve or not achieve with it? I mean, I don't think it was hugely successful, but I think the idea was to try and quell fear. Like I said, contagion right now is the most dangerous thing. And that's why the government came in. They've guaranteed now uh, deposits for SVB investors. So for me, they have to come out. And that's why I think the next few days are going to be very, very important. They have to come out. They have to quell fear and they have to prevent a run because things like this can escalate very, very quickly. So I think that was the catalyst for it. And I suspect they'll be parading her around a little bit more this week to try and continue to quell fear. I don't think it was hugely successful on Sunday, which we saw on Monday. but, uh, but, but, but I think we'll be seeing more of her because, like I said, they, they need to kill this fear now and prevent this bank run you know, expanding, I guess. They have to do it or we're going to end in a really vicious cycle. Yesterday, I know a lot of people were checking out, adding to their gold stock. Yesterday was a, probably a really good day for gold, wasn't it? It was a great day for gold, I mean, 2.5%, even better day for silver. I can tell you uh, personally, probably my busiest day in my professional career. So people are really, yes, it was crazy yesterday. So I think people are starting to wake up and, and realize uh, how, how important precious metals are. And I think the further we head into the year, the tougher things will get, the better a climate it, it will be for gold and silver. So. Look, the important thing for people, just be proactive, be preemptive as much as possible, and just make sure you're well hedged heading further into the year. The big issue we have now, I think the Fed may get less aggressive in the inflationary fight. They're now worried about sort of a more aggressive collapse across the board, which means we have the potential for inflation to start ticking up again. It was doing so in January and February. The Fed on the back of that was saying, look, we're going to get more aggressive with interest rate raises. A reversal of that could be very dangerous from an inflationary standpoint. So, you know, there isn't a soft landing, as we've said many, many times. So it's about bracing ourselves. And like I say, precious metals work incredibly well for that. Yeah, there's no doubt. And folks, the way you get started on that is to get the power of knowledge. Birch Gold Group has put together an incredible info kit. You will be really wiser when you're done reading it. I certainly was. All you got to do to get started on that process 
text the word just news, one word just news to 989898, and Philip and his team will get you into your hands right away. That information kit, you get started, you're able to make a much better decision on how to hedge and how to protect your, particularly your 401k and IRAs, which we don't want to be buffeted during this time of extraordinary economic turmoil. Philip, it's always an honor to talk to you. We know when we talk to you, we're getting a glimpse of the future because your track record of predicting where this economy has been headed has been remarkable. We're so blessed to have the partnership and to have you as a regular on this show. You've really helped us understand the last two or three years. And for that, we're very grateful. Thank you so much, John. It's an honor for me to be on the show as always. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we're going to get you back on soon. A lot more red warning signs are blinking out in the future. So we'll need you around real soon to give us another update. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. One more segment to go. My good colleague and friend, Nick Chivas, did a great story taking a look at how Silicon Valley Bank doubled down on woke ideological initiatives while its investments are going down the tube. The path to maybe a preventable collapse raised by this very important story. We'll have that right after the commercial break. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. At the top of the show and in the interview with Congressman Style, I mentioned a story that broke on Just the News overnight by none other than our great colleague, Nick Jeeves. He's doing some great investigative work, and I thought we'd go in a little bit more detail before we close out the show today. So joining me right now from the Just the News newsroom, we're so lucky to have him on staff, my good colleague, Nick Jeeves. Nick, great to have you in the show. John, always awesome to come on. Thanks for making time for me today. You have such a great story. The devil's always in the detail in these great narratives that you write, and it's the July of last year year. And the Silicon Valley Bank is beginning to realize it's got a problem. It had an 8% reduction in its investments in one quarter. That's a big drop per quarter. That's like 32% over the course of the year. JP Morgan's asking questions. Tell us what Silicon Valley Bank was focused on in July 2022, other than the failure of some of its investments that were imperiling the bank. So it's funny you mentioned that. On the call with investors and uh, some banking officials, uh, JP Morgan person named Steve Alexopoulos. He basically spoke up, like you said, and made the point that, hey, we've lost 8% of our value in a single quarter. For a bad quarter, it's typically 2 to 3%. And that's $137 million of investment losses. That's massive. And you can see in the transcript that when the JP Morgan official brings this up, it's written off. And that they said, no, we've hit bottom. This is the lowest we're probably going to go. No guarantees. But it's sort of ignored And instead, what they've been focusing on is this ESG, this environmental societal governance agenda, better known as social justice. 
And it just baffles me that a banking institution that's supposed to operate on rules like one plus one is two are now operating in such a subjective space like ESG and green energy was another main focus, even though it's been bottoming out, there was no return for them. So it seems as if the politics of the moment have infected finance as well. And uh, it's just spreading faster and faster. It's amazing because you see the bank doubling down, saying, hey, we're going to make $5 billion more in investments in climate change. That's a risky sector when interest rates start going up, right? When interest rates are low and money's free, uh, you know, maybe investing in startup technologies is less risky and more common sense. But once interest rates going up and the cost of borrowing goes up and less money from the uh, money that's borrowed is available to the tech companies because they're paying higher interest rates, that's a warning sign. And what does the bank do? It doubles down on investments. It's celebrating Pride Month with a whole bunch of LBGTQ events and seminars. It's talking about a lot of things that really aren't the core competency or the core expectation of a bank who's supposed to protect the deposits and make money on behalf of its creditors and its customers. Was this a bank living some utopian dream that wasn't based in the reality of the economy? Yes, it's very, it's funny you bring that up. It's very Orwellian in its desires. And the bank, both banks didn't hide that. They had reports that would highlight a need for diversity and inclusion over, say, skill or the right person for the job. And you had this kind of rhetoric that was building and building about the ecological, excuse me, the ecological threats of climate change. Would a bank be involved in something like that? And it seems like it's a partnership. Big government, big tech have been pushing the climate change. I've heard the end of the world is coming for the last 20 years, every five years. It's always the world's going to end in 2018 if we don't do something. The world's going to end in 2023. So they've managed to take this narrative and make it so broad that any company, any business, uh, this go woke, go broke, this is the epitome right here. They decided one plus one did not equal two. They decided to not hire the best people for the job that would have managed this portfolio. They didn't invest on innovative ideas or strength of the dollar. None of that was considered. It was, does this person fit a bill? Does this business fit a specific bill? And how can we make money off it? One such system that was a little spooky, very Orwellian, was one uh, SVB was looking to create this carbon credit score system. Basically, you had to attain a certain social status in the green community. To qualify for a bank account, right? Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. Before you could even be considered for a loan or anything uh, resembling financial help from the institution. And if you did not, if you were flagged as someone that didn't fit into this narrative, you were denied a loan based solely on that, not on your idea, not on how much you could bounce back from the loan and make money for the bank and the shareholders. No, none of that was seemingly taken into account. And you said it yourself, they pledged $5 billion with a B to these companies that would promote social justice, inclusion, but a bank is supposed to make money. A bank is supposed to protect its investors, its depositors, and they failed it at every angle here. And it's not surprising that this is the result. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And I think that a lot of good reporting that you did in this story, you get the idea that things other than the core competencies of banking was the primary focus or the primary distraction of this bank for a long time. I, The month after that call, there's another report the bank puts out. You think at that moment, hey, one of our large investors, one of the large banks in America, uh, uh, JP Morgan's asking questions. Let's get their confidence back. Nope, 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 nope. They weren't. In August, they're putting out their new 2022 environmental, social and governance ratings and 
and their strategy. They were doubling down on the very thing that was distracting them from staying focused on what it was that customers came to them for, safe loans, safe investments, return on investment. It really is a remarkable story that you put together yesterday, and I think that we're going to learn a lot more about the management of this bank. And then the real question is, how many other banks are out there like SVB that we don't know about that because of the same distractions or the same ideological pursuits could be putting people's accounts at risk in the near future? Likely dozens. Likely dozens of them. There's likely dozens. And, you know, we had discovered that connection between uh, SVB and Governor Gavin Newsom's wife. She'd launched a group called California Partners Project or helped launch a group and we found in documents from a whistleblower that Fair Political Practices Commission showed in these documents that they donated $100,000 to the bank. And then it turns out that on the board of directors of this group is the president of SVP Capital. So it's kind of this circular uh, motion where these rich people, these influencers, these political people are propping up these banks because, like you said, they're going out and doing the political bidding of the left. And I wouldn't be surprised if there were dozens of banks that are doing this and that they're going to continue to collapse and be shown for what they are insolvent. As Congressman Style mentioned earlier in the show, he asked the question, we will have to find out whether because the bank was a darling of all of these leftist causes, that blinded regulators from really looking at them with the critical eye that regulators should look at. We saw Ro Khanna, a Democrat from California, saying that the banking industry moves at the speed of Twitter and the Biden administration doesn't, and that's why we had a crisis. The real question is, was that slowness on behalf of the Biden administration driven, perhaps, by a willful blindness because they were so enthralled with the bank's woke agenda. That's a question I think the banking committee is going to get to. What are you working on tomorrow, Nick? What is the sort of focus you're looking on as you dig deeper into this incredible scandal? So we're going to look into, uh, we're going to try to at least get, we've been trying to find some of the companies that had either gone bust or belly up that got loans from these two major banks. But we're also looking into how Biden and his administration spending affected this? How did federal spending drive this? Because this didn't happen under Trump. And just because it happened under Biden, that doesn't mean it's his administration's fault entirely. But they're trying to blame the Trump administration. And they're the ones that increase spending. They're the ones who's under their watch. Inflation went through the roof. They're the ones with the most Fed activity as far as interest rate hikes. So it's very convenient for them that no one's mentioning that the massive government spending and yet they wouldn't get involved to regulate it. It's hypocrisy. So we're looking into what the White House knew, why they allowed this to continue. And if they're so heavy on regulating banks and the left votes for Democrats because they are going to rein in finance, well, it doesn't look like they're doing that to me. It looks like they're shaking hands behind the scenes and allowing these things to go bust because it's worth the risk to them to fund these ideas. Yeah, well, great reporting as always, Nick. You're doing such good work, digging in. We're learning a lot of things. I can't wait to see the next big story come out. Well, it'd be great to learn what company investments may have actually put the bank at the risk factor that led it to close down or be taken over over the weekend by, by the way, California Governor, <laughs> Governor Newsom's own administration took it over. So great stuff. Really enjoy it. Can't wait to see what you come up with next. Me neither. Looking forward to it, John. Thanks for having me on.
Thanks, my friend. Good job. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join us. A big thank you to our guests. And before we go, I like to always shout out one of our strategic partners, our advertisers, our sponsors, because they make this show possible, because they make the investigative reporting like Nick Chivas just broke on the show possible, because they allow us to give you breaking news and an app and a television show and this podcast, but also because they have incredible incredible products and services, things that actually can make you better. And one of those are my good friends at Carty and Company. If you want to take control of your financial destination and your decisions, but also want an experienced and knowledgeable person guiding you, well, that means taking into effect your risk tolerance, your financial objectives, things that matter to you. Well, go to my good friends at Carty and Company. That's CartyCO.com. C-A-R-T-Y-C-O.com. Carty and Company is a family-operated, nationally recognized fixed income investment firm with more than 50 years of experience. They are licensed in all 50 states with expertise, serving both individual and institutional investors. Carty and Company has expertise in tax-exempt bonds. Interest income on municipal bonds is generally exempt from federal taxes and often also exempt from state and local taxes. There's no ongoing annual fee for any of their clients, just a one-time commission fee. Cardi and company also actively helps local governments borrow funds to improve their communities through municipal bonds, giving their investor clients primary access to these great investments. Generally, for initial investments of $5,000, find the investments that are right for you by visiting cardico.com, C-A-R-T-Y-C-O.com, C-A-R-T-Y-C-O.com. That's Cardi co.com. All right, folks, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Thanks for listening. A big thank you to Congressman Brian Style, to Philip Patrick, and of course, my good colleague here at Just the News, Nick Jeeves. Great show, big investigative scoops. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the same. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.